Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 87 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Anthony. And I am Michael. And we are happy to have another week to drink some beer with you and yep. enjoy some Bible discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk. We're going to do the things we normally do. Um, Fourth of July is coming up when we record this. This will come out a little bit after Fourth of July, but that's uh, that's coming up this weekend. So, Michael, y'all have any big plans for the fourth weekend? Uh, not yet. Um, I'm going to try to relax uh this week has been just crazy at work just because of some things Mm -hmm. we've had going on but um it's been all good stuff it's just been very busy for us and um i'm gonna need a couple of days just to not think or do or be anywhere or do anything so that's Mm -hmm. we may blow some stuff up we may we may grill out yeah america (laughs) we'll definitely be drinking some some beer this weekend or maybe something stronger uh who knows but uh what about you you got anything planned man i'll tell you what i have planned so my family uh is is visiting their family this week uh i'm here at work so they're my kids and my wife have gone to visit her family um and so this weekend i plan on doing two things drinking a little bit of beer and playing a lot of golf um (laughs) i don't have uh anybody here to babysit you with me yeah, babysit me. So <laughs> I have golf lined up for Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so it's gonna be a pretty good, uh, pretty good weekend. I hope the rain will will dissipate out a little bit. It's like forty percent, but I hope it'll go down Ugh. a little bit so I can enjoy that this weekend. Yeah, you don't want to be out playing golf with a you know out in the rain with a metal stick. So, dude, it's good things. It's good times. Um, it it adds to the thrill of the game. When you're terrible at golf and you might get struck by lightning, well, the good thing more fun. The good thing is you won't be out in the open very much. You'll be in in the woods. <laughs> oh man! Walked into that one. Okay, I walked into that one. I can't say so, anything. You've played golf with me, and I am not good at it. <laughs> I think I think we played like your official first round. You played with me, didn't you? It was, it was bad. Like yeah, it, it was my it was my first, and it was terrible. It was so good. Yeah. I played one other round, and that was over two years ago. So, <laughs> the stint with golf did not last very long. No, and there's, I mean, I've got better things to do than walk around looking for golf balls in the woods. So, um, Anthony, tonight, uh, let's get into our beer review. Yeah, man. What are you drinking tonight? I have found uh, the Jif beer. Um, I bought this beer because it looks like a Jif can, and I'll tell you the funny story about finding it later. Um, but it's called the Peanut Butter Porter, and it is from Back 40 uh, Beer Company. And literally, it looks like a GIF can. If you know what a GIF can looks like, you know what this looks like. So um, I'm going to read right from the website because I love their description. 
on the website, and it says, this is a creamy, it's big, it's just what it sounds like. Brewed with crushed peanuts and malt bill thick enough to slather on some bread. Peanut butter porter belongs on your grocery list right next to the jelly, bananas, and bacon. I hope it is as good as that description. Uh, now that's I want, what I hope. Now I want some bacon. That's all that. That's all that that did for me. So, um, yes, that sounds like so it's going to be good. I've I've actually seen that beer a few times up here um, at another store that I haven't been to in a long time. Um, and every time I saw it, I was like, man, that sounds like it would be really good. And I never mm-hmm. got it. So um, I'm, I guess you'll indicate whether or not I should go find it. Yes, it comes in at ten and a half percent ABV and forty IBUs. For those who like to keep track of that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a it's a strong one. Yes, it is. So what do you have for tonight? So tonight I have found a new brewery. Um, I have found from the Edmonds Oast Brewing Company, based out of Charleston, South Carolina, I have found the Cereal for Dinner Blonde Ale. Um, it is a, a blonde ale brewed with almonds, vanilla, lactose, and coconut. So I'm thinking like... The almond honey bunches of oat mm-hmm. cereal. I'm hoping that's what the flavor profile is like. Um, it's a blonde ale, five five percent ABV, um, and that's really the only description that they've got. They're, there's not some cool paragraph or liner on the <laughs> cereal for dinner. It's it's like a bot. The drawing on the can is like a box of oats on a dinner platter. Okay. So I mean, there you go. There you go. Yeah, I like so. eating cereal for dinner, so there's yeah, that. That's a. I'm hoping this is good. Like I said, I'm hoping it's like a, like a honey bunches of oats esque mm-hmm. kind of thing, brewed and canned in Charleston, South Carolina. So, um, I guess the uh, the fir- the next thing we need to do is crack these things open and see uh, see what we got. See how they taste. Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one. Crack. Okay. Smells like peanut butter. Mine smells like honey bunches of oats. And I also oh, and I also know that I won't be able to get the whole thing in my glass because I don't have a pint glass with me and it's a, in a pint. So this thing smells. Dude, that thing is dark. <laughs> yeah, it is. We could not be on further opposites. Look how pale this thing is. <laughs> <laughs> this thing smells really good. I uh I'm I'm excited to try this thing because I think it's going to be deliciously tasty. Um as after we after we get a tasting in, I'm going to tell you the story of how I found this beer because it was bad enough that I actually left the store and I called Michael and I was like, "You're never going to believe what happened." <laughs> yeah, we talked about so. this uh I guess it was Tuesday. So yeah. two, a couple days ago. Yep. Sorry, when I'm trying to. It. Hang on, stand by. My. <laughs> there we go. We're good. No, you're good. <laughs> you, you can leave that in there. I don't really care. <laughs> I've just I rearranged my office and I'm still working out the kinks, so I'm good okay. now. Okay. So let's get nice. to drinking. Um, you with the uh peanut butter porter and peanut me with the porter. cereal for dinner, and um, uh, let's see what we got. So, bottoms up. Cheers. Okay. Oh, wow. Dang. Okay. I think I've got mine. I think I've got mine. So, 
I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit here. I'm going to give you the story of how I found this, and then I'm going to rate it because uh, this is a great story. So um, I am, we, we know I'm in South Alabama, and Alabama is uh, world famous for having a terrible selection of beer in their state, mostly because we didn't allow beers with more than 5% alcohol until like, it was like 2015 or something like that, 2014 or 2015. It was dumb. Um, so, um, we just don't have a good selection. Uh, we don't, our stores don't have a lot because people are still trying to get into the Alabama market and stores here, uh, just have trouble getting distributors into the state. So there was a new store in the town where I'm at. I'm, I'm near Fairhope, Alabama. There's a new store and I saw, and they have these like, it's really cool looking. It's very like hip and modern on the outside. And they have all these giant signs. They're like, wine, uh, craft beer, market, deli. And I was like, dude, I bet that, because it, it used to be a gym. So the building itself is pretty large. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, if that's like a new store and they're advertising that they have craft beer on the windows, like, surely they're going to have a really good selection uh, of beer. You were thinking, like, you're going to walk in and it's going to be like Walmart length. Yes, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, like, this is going to be rows of beer because, I mean, like, you can go to Rouse's. Rouse's doesn't advertise beer, and they have a pretty good selection. That's typically where I find stuff is at Rouse's. Not not a sponsor yet. Not a sponsor yet. That's right. Hashtag Rouse's. So, um, So I walk into this store. Now, you have to understand a little bit about Fairhope. It is the hoity-toity city of the area where we live called the eastern shore it's it's like it's the it's, fancy it's, it's bougie it's bougie okay it's it's bougie on a whole new level okay oh, okay it's <laughs> bougie for bougie okay yes that's exactly right so i walk in this store and i immediately upon walking in the store feel completely out of place you you regret every decision you've ever made <laughs> that's yes my my life is ruined at this point because I walk in the store and I realize, number one, I am not cool enough to be in this store. Uh, number two, I probably don't make enough money to be in this store. <laughs> and number three, this store is empty. And it is literally like there are chairs everywhere. Like it, like it's almost like a restaurant. There's so many chairs and, and tables and stuff around where people can sit and eat. And now they have a like a coffee bar with light snacks and stuff like that on on one side of it. And then the very back of it, they actually have an actual bar. And so this place is literally a coffee shop slash deli slash bar slash market used sparingly, okay? So I walk over to the market section where they have some groceries and beer selection. Now, mind you, they put on the window, they have craft beer, okay? Their entire beer selection consisted of, like, PBR, Paps Blue Ribbon, which is not craft beer, um, a couple of Abita beers, which arguably is not craft beer. That's medium box. It's not big box, but it's not yeah. small box either. It's definitely not small box. It's not small batch. It's not micro. It's, it is decent. I mean, Abita is almost nationwide, so... Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, they did have two from Red Clay Brewing, which I did Red Clay Brewing mm-hmm. before. 
Um, they're they're really cool. Um, so I, I appreciate they had a couple of those, and then this beer right here, and it it was literally for me like, hmm, I'm either gonna do PBR, I'm not gonna do Red Clay because I did that one just a couple of weeks ago. Maybe I'll come back to it, um, or I'm gonna do this one that looks like a Jif peanut butter can. Well, looks like my options are choosing for me tonight. So I get the beer and I go and I try to find I. This is how weird this place is. I can't even find like where you go pay for the beer. So I'm like walking around. <laughs> I'm literally just like walking around carrying beer, looking, trying to find like a register of some sort. Some hipster dude in the back's like, hey, watch this guy. He doesn't know what he to do you next. That's probably <laughs> what they were saying about me because I went and they had like, there's like this greeting area up front, like you would think a hostess stand at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And it has like an iPad with a credit card scanner. I'm like, oh, this must be where you go pay. So I go set my beer down on the counter and I wait for like two minutes. Nobody comes around there. Nobody acknowledges it. I, honestly, I probably could have picked it up, and walked out, and nobody would have known. But I'm well, not. You're probably do the that. first person to buy craft beer in a in a can from there. <laughs> I probably am. It just so it just sounds too bougie for that kind of thing, it, man. Oh my gosh, it's super bougie. So after a couple minutes of waiting, I walk around to where they're serving coffee, and I'm like, "Hey, I need to pay for this beer." And he's like, "Oh, yes, sir. Come right." And dude, hipster doesn't hipster doesn't even give this guy justice. I mean, he makes hipsters look like. Uh, normal people. He was so hipster. Oh gosh. Yeah, it was it was bad. So, needless to say, I will not be going back to that store uh, to to hunt for beer selections. And I was deeply let down in the advertisement that they had craft beer when they had one craft beer, maybe two. Right. It was upsetting. But anyway, so here we are with the peanut butter porter, and it advertises itself as this creamy peanut buttery, malty drink, and it is exactly that. It tastes wonderful. The texture is great. Um, this, this to me, has that mixture of, like, beer um, maltiness with peanut butter kind of salty mm -hmm. Swedishness yeah. um, mixed together. Um, I, I typically wouldn't do this, but I'm going to give this thing five Luthers just wow. because it's, ex it's exactly what they advertised. Okay. The taste is good. Um, and the story of finding it makes it even more fun to drink. Now. Okay. Um, I feel, I feel like I should have put it in, in a special glass and like hold my pinky up or something like that because <laughs> of where I had to go buy it. Um, but yeah, uh, back 40, this thing's great. It's a great flavor. Um, I don't know that I would drink a ton of them. Um, but it's definitely an enjoyable beer. I think it would be enjoyable. Um, if you were having a smoke or, or just kind of relaxing, um, mm -hmm. uh, chilling, um, so there you go. Five Luthers for the peanut butter porter uh, from Back 40. And that's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Well. So how's the cereal? <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, the it's the it's So the description is like toasted almonds and toasted coconut, and mm -hmm. it, that that flavor is pretty spot on. It's, very, it's a very light beer, um, um, the, but there's nothing really to, like, write home about as far as how it tastes um it's it's a pretty it to me it tastes like a pretty standard blonde with like just a touch of something extra like okay to me the coconut and the almond flavor could be a little more strong um but like i said it's pretty good i mean i'm almost halfway done with mine already um yeah i, I drank a lot of it while you were talking <laughs> um well, I was telling my fun story. Yeah that i've already heard so i was <laughs> like eh, yeah. i don't need to listen to this no it no <laughs> um 
But all I say, it's, it's a good beer. Um, I'll give it four Luthers. It's uh, okay. It, it's decent. It's not. It's not a bad flavor. The it's. It's really easy to go. Da- it's really easy to get down. Um, mm-hmm. Nice and smooth. Um, but the the flavors aren't quite as strong as I was hoping they would be. But they're still not bad. So yeah. Um, the cereal for dinner blonde from Edmonds Oast Brewing is going to get four Luthers from me tonight. Sweet. Well, there's some beer. Uh, the peanut butter porter. The cereal for breakfast. Dinner. Or cereal for dinner. <laughs> you Everybody usually eat breakfast. cereal for breakfast. Cereal for dinner. Um, hey, have you ever had cereal for lunch? I've had cereal at all times during okay. the day. Yes. You, yes don't, you don't ever hear people talking about cereal for lunch. No. So. I love cereal. Cereal is one of my favorite things. Yes. Um, so. So there you go. There's some beer reviews. If you wanna, if those sound appealing to you, look them up. Go find them. Um, don't go to a bougie store to try to find back forty peanut butter porter. Uh, might make you feel awkward. So, anywho, we are gonna come back after this break of musical insanity, and we're gonna talk about First Peter. We're gonna round out chapter three tonight, and it's gonna it's kind of an interesting discussion. Um, I'm I'm. Interested to see if this is either going to go really long or not long at all. I think it's going to be one of the two because of the way my notes are broken down. So um, it, it could end up being a really short discussion tonight because there's, it's just kind of, it's a weird text. It's very, it's, it's weird, but it's straightforward, but we'll get into yeah. that in just a second. Hope that you are enjoying some some type of cold brew tonight, whether Amen. it's a cereal for dinner or peanut butter porter or PBR or Coors Light, you know whatever suits whatever floats your boat. <laughs> um, but tonight we're gonna, like Anthony said, we're gonna con- uh, finish up First Peter chapter three, and um, this is a kind of interesting text in the entire body of First Peter. Um, it just doesn't feel like it's in, it, it doesn't feel like it fits with what the rest of Peter's been talking about. So, um, if you're familiar with the text, you already know. And if you're not, you're about to find out. So, um, (laughs) if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in first Peter, uh, three verse 18. We're going to read down through verse 22. I'm reading from the Holman Christian standard. And here is what Peter writes. <clears throat> for God, no, sorry. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God after being put to death in the fleshly realm, but made alive in the spiritual realm. In that state, he also went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in the past were disobedient, when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while an ark was being prepared. In it, a few, that is eight people, were saved through water. And baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, 
but the pledge of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now that he has gone into heaven, he is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers subjected to him. Anthony, I think you put it put it well in the break. <laughs> what is Peter smoking here? <laughs> it's, you know, it's, I, I've, I wholeheartedly affirm that every word of scripture is there for a purpose um, and is uh, profitable for teaching, correcting, rebuking, whatever it is. Okay. You can believe something and still be like, <laughs> what the heck? Cause but, look, I mean, because verse 18, Peter, Peter's like, yeah, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Christ suffered for sins once for all, righteous for the unrighteous. He might bring you to God after being put to death in the flesh or realm, made alive in the spiritual realm. Yeah. Great. Amen. Love it, Peter. And then he goes on this diatribe about Noah and baptism and the boat and how many people and spirits. So um, I guess let's dive into what Peter's talking about here because yeah. it don't make no sense. Yeah. So so let's start off. Let's let's kick it off with verse 18. So, you know, we're just going to walk through this text. Um, verse 18 to me is probably one of the most doctrinally thick verses in all of scripture. Mm. Um, Peter lays out here in, in one verse, he lays out the entire uh, concept of penal substitutionary atonement. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Let's just, let's take it words for word. Here we go. Christ died. That's a historical thing that actually happened. Um, Christ died. If you look at first Corinthians, it says that Christ died according to the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Christ died once for sins. There's your penalty. That's the penal side of it, okay? There's there's something that is required. Uh, there is a sacrifice that is required to, to, to achieve justice. That was in the Old Testament. It was the death of an animal. Um, following that same thing, Christ's blood spilled for us. That's the, that's the substitute for us. Yeah, so and, he, and Christ is the final sacrifice. Like, yes. there's nothing, like, nothing else is needed for, yeah, for our and, atonement. Yes, which, which, uh, you know, once for sins, once for all, I think is is the way yours put it. So mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a finished work, is what that is. And in the Old Testament, the sacrifices were never a finished work; they had to continually be uh, right. doing them over and over and over again. But Christ's sacrifice was was final. Um, and then it's the righteous for the unrighteous. Um, so that's a substitute, the substitutionary side of it. Um. The righteous here, I think it's interesting in this verse, the righteous here is a singular uh, verb tense. I'm mm. sorry, noun. Uh, it's a singular usage. And the word unrighteous is plural. So, again, you have one person in place of all the other ones, the plural uh, there. Um, and then the the that he might bring us to God, that is what the atonement accomplishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the atonement accomplishes... Bridging the gap uh, for us, uh, the gap between God and man, um, and so Christ's sacrifice is what restored that relationship between God and His mm-hmm. people. And uh, according to Ephesians one, anyone who is in Christ, uh, they are in a restored relationship uh, with God. So you have one verse of just pure theological, just hammer, mm-hmm. and then Peter goes off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Because, I, sorry. Let, let me let me let me just say something it. real quick. Say, say it here. Um, I had never, like, 
in in English, the righteous for the unrighteous makes like makes perfect sense because that's a, that's a simple mm-hmm. like concept to understand. I didn't realize in the original text, righteous was singular and unrighteous was plural. Yeah, which which blew my mind. Just just gonna be honest, I was like, wait, hold on, what? <laughs> and so like, I guess I guess the like. I guess the lesson there is like scripture is never not capable of teaching you stuff. Yeah. Like, like I've read that verse probably a million times and that, that's never clicked for me. I just like, Oh, righteous is Jesus. Unrighteous is me. But it's yeah. like, unright like righteous could only be Jesus. Yes. And then the unrighteous is not just me, but also like all of humanity. So, all of um, yep. anyway, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's good. Um, so, so we have the the doctrine of penal substitutionary atonement elucidated yep. there in in verse eighteen. Could could have ended the chapter right there and been done and, and just moved on to verse is, chapter four. So so let's just let's just do this real quick. Okay, uh, being put to death in the flesh and me being me being made alive in the spirit. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves in the same way. I mean, it flows from the end oh, of verse yeah. eighteen right into. Verse four. It. I mean, the flow is there. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know what Peter uh, was doing here. I don't know what this the Holy Spirit was telling Peter to do. But he put it here for a reason. So we're going to dissect it and we're going to talk about it. Um, but he throws in this in verse nineteen. He throws in this weird thing uh, where he talks about spirits. So he says um, the end of verse eighteen uh, in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Now, this is where um, everything kind of starts to, I guess you could say, unravel theologically. And this is where it gets, people start doing a lot of different things theologically. There's not a whole lot you can go wrong with in verse 18. It's pre- I mean, it's like, it's cut and dry. Yeah. It's, it's, it's there. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, verse 19 through 22 just kind of branches off into this, this whole thing of who's he talking to what's he talking about what what's the intention behind this where's he going what's you know and so you've come up with there has there has really come out of this three major views of what they're talking about when they say spirits in verse 19 Mm -hmm. and these are number one it could be unsaved people um like in the days of noah um and then the the second one is fallen angels who are awaiting judgment um, not sure where that one comes from in the context of, of the scripture, unless you, you draw it in from like verse, I think it's 21 or, or is it 21? Yeah. Cause, uh, or 22 where he says he's at the right hand with angels, authorities, powers. So, so they kind of draw 22 into that and, and say that he's talking to fallen angels. Um, and then the, the third interpretation that they, or the third kind of thing they come out with is this is an actual second chance for salvation. Um, for those who are in hell. Now, I think it's pretty clear that it's not the third one mm-hmm. um, because Hebrews 9.27 says it is appointed uh, uh, one time for man to die and then the judgment. Yeah. So so I, I think that pretty much puts the nail in that coffin. Now, for our Catholic brothers and sisters, they would argue that purgatory is not hell, and so it could be referring to something along the lines of purgatory. I can't go to purgatory. My theology doesn't allow it. I, I realize that Catholic theology does. 
I don't see where it fits into the text. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it it's a stretch to try to make it fit into the text. The the right. interpretation to me that makes the most amount of sense is the first one, where it says he's actually talking to unsaved people, as in the day of Noah. And so this whole then what you have it really makes this kind of make a little bit more sense. I do realize it's still very random, mm-hmm. but when you talk about Peter throwing down this just this theological hammer of verse 18 and then kind of explaining what he's talking about, who he's talking about, yeah, where he's going with this makes 19 through 22 make a little more sense. Yeah. Yeah, I guess if you think about it in the context of Noah, which Peter and his readers would have been very familiar with. Yes. Um it, it does make sense because when, I mean, even, I would say even people who aren't church at least have a broad knowledge of the story of Noah. Yeah. Um, so I guess when you, when you consider the, when you consider that narrative and you consider the, the, the parallels that Peter's drawing here, mm-hmm. I guess it makes more sense. It just, it doesn't fit spatially. Like, because he's, because he's gone on, he, like, it's like he said, you know what, for the last three chapters and 18 verses, or two chapters and then 18 verses of this chapter, and I know, yeah, I know it wasn't written in chapters, but just <laughs> stay with me for a second. For for two and a half chapters, I've been throwing down theological stuff. I just need to, like, cool my brain for a second. It's kind of, it's kind of what, <laughs> or Peter is like, hey. I'm going to write this down and see what happens with it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've, I've wondered about certain sections of scripture. Like, like yeah. when I read them, if, if they're, I mean, they're inspired by the Holy spirit. And then, but I wonder if, if like, some of the writers are like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to flavor this a little bit. I'm just going to see what happens here. No, but, uh, but, but I mean, we, but explaining it and, and going through the thought, the, the, the thought process of relating it back to the story of Noah Mm-hmm. Does make it make more sense? Like it, it the, the what he's saying makes more sense. Its yes. position in scripture doesn't, but no, <laughs> that's not for us to decide. So, no, but but he is, and and I mean, to to some extent, he he actually is tying it all together. I mean, because again, the story of Noah makes perfect sense. What he's been telling his readers for the last two and a half chapters, you know, you're living in a world that's going to. Um, marginalize you you're living in a world where you're going to have to suffer you're living in a world that doesn't think very highly of your opinion you're living in you know he's been telling them this now since the beginning really of chapter two and he's broken it down into group after group after group husbands wives slaves masters Mm -hmm. all these different things um and and then to to kind of tie it all back to noah i i think is a is a I don't know if it's the way I would have done it, but that's maybe why I'm not inspired to write scripture by the Holy Spirit because I wouldn't have done it this way. Yeah. Um, but Peter ties it back to Noah, and you you can look at the story of Noah and draw a lot of parallels from what number one Peter has been saying to his readers for the last two chapters mm-hmm. versus what the actual narrative of Noah talks about. Mm. And so so. Let's walk through. Um, I, I pulled some of these notes from from uh, some commentaries that drew these parallels, and and I thought they were really interesting because when you when you break it down and when you talk about and 
I mean, Peter talks about baptism, and we'll, we'll talk about baptism for a little bit in, in a little while, but I, I like to make these parallels right here because I think it makes this make a little more sense in the context of where we are, in the context of this, where we are in the, in the book. Okay. So the very first one is Noah and his family were a minority surrounded by hostile believers. Peter's readers were minorities surrounded by hostile believers. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that from uh, verses 13 to 14 earlier. We're going to see it in chapter 4. Um, they're, in, they're entering into a world where hostility is the norm. Right. And, and so, you know, immediately drawing the attention to Noah, I think, kind of conjures up that, that idea of, okay, this is a guy who is familiar with my situation. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's the next parallel that he gives us? So then he goes on and he says that Noah was righteous in the midst of a wicked world. Um, God appointed Noah to build the ark to save a select few. We'll get to that in a second. And then Peter exhorts his readers to be righteous in the midst of the wickedness around them. Mm -hmm. Um, And he talks about that in verses 13 and 14. He's going to talk about that. He talks about them in 16 17. um, And he's going to talk about that also in chapter 4. And Peter's pointing out, like, Noah was called by God because of his righteousness. Mm -hmm. So continue to live righteous despite the unrighteousness around you. Yes, and, and and even even if you get persecuted for it, God's going to use that to glorify and honor Him. Yeah. So you're not living for your glory or your well being. You're living yeah. for the glory of God. Yep. Exactly. That's that's the whole point. Yep. So then then he says uh, another parallel is that Noah witnessed boldly to those around him, and Peter for the last two chapters, has been encouraging his readers to be good witnesses to the unbelievers that are around them. Um, you know, I think think about the husbands and wives. You know, he tells wives, you know, you do these things so that you can be an example to your unbelieving husband. He, he's kind of referring to a wife who may have an unbelieving husband there. And and he's he says, you need to be the examples for the unbelievers around you. You need to be willing to suffer and the point of that suffering is to bring others to Christ. Mm. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, to, to bring others to the foot of the cross. And that's what, that's what Christians are supposed to do. That's what Christians, you know, um, I, I, I kind of chuckle a little bit when I hear people say the word Christian means little Christ. And I'm like, okay, technically and etymologically it might mean that, but it really doesn't mean little Christ because none of us are good enough to be, a, right. rep, a, a replica of Christ. Right. There, there's know. nothing about us that is inherently worthy enough to be even labeled as Christian. Yes. And so, but but I've been I've been reading through the book of of uh, Acts, and that's where they actually get the label of Christians. the The early church gets the label of Christians um, because it says the people call them that because they were acting like Christ. Mm. And and so if you are acting like Christ, if you're uh, acting in such a way that people are pointed back to Christ through the, the, the way you live your life, you're probably doing something right. Mm, yeah. I'm, you know, um, so, so no witness boldly to those around him. What else did he do? Uh, he real, uh, Noah realized judgment was coming soon upon the world that in, I mean, he realized it cause God told him, but 
I mean, there's a flood coming. So, and Noah <laughs> prepares. That, that one was pretty obvious for yeah, Noah, to Noah, be fair. Noah's like, hey, God told me this. And I believe that he's telling the truth. So, um, but then Peter reminds his readers that God's judgment is certainly coming and it may be coming soon. Um, mm-hmm. He talks about that in chapter four, verses seven, uh, five and seven. Verse seven says, now the end of all things is near. Yeah. And then he also talks about that in second Peter three. And so, um, you know, Peter's, you know, telling his readers here, make sure you're ready for God's judgment. Make sure that the life that you're living is worthy to stand before God and God to look at your life and say, well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and be prepared for be being prepared for that is the most, honestly, the most important thing that we can do. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, so the next one is kind of fun. Um, when we talk about the, the spiritual realm, um, we talk about uh, Christ figures, and we talk about Old Testament figures who are Christ representatives. Noah was such a, a Christ figure, and so Noah carries out a role that kind of archetypes something that Christ will do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you think Noah's family is saved through the obedience of Noah. Okay, Um God told Noah to build the ark. Noah built the ark. His family got on the ark. They were all saved through the flood. Mm-hmm. And so, in in a spiritual way, Christ is being manifested through Noah in the Old Testament. And then, by saying this, Peter is reminding his readers of the reality of Christ's work in us. Again, it points back to that that the what we talked about previously. We are to be representatives of Christ. We are to live a life that is representing what Christ would be, uh, is as corny as this sounds, those WWJD bracelets that were popular in the in the nineties and like early two mm-hmm. thousands. Yeah. I mean that that's that's the goal. That's what we, we want people to say. Ask we ask ourselves what would Jesus do because we want people to see Christ in us. Yeah. If we claim to have Christ, if we claim to be followers of Christ and say we are in Christ, then people should be able to see Christ in us. Mm. Um, because if, if they can't, if we're not representing Christ, then we're failing to do our jobs as Christians. Yeah. And Mm. I can't think of a bigger failure for Christians than to not represent Christ well. Yeah. You know, through obedience, through suffering, through whatever it is, we have to be constant and consistent representatives of Christ. Yeah. So, mm. there's that one. Uh, we got yeah. two more parallels. What's what's the next one on the docket? Um, so, at the time of Noah, and so when Noah starts building, when God encounters, or Noah encounters God, and tells Noah, hey, a flood's coming, build a boat. Um, God has been patiently waiting for the unbelievers to repent. Mm-hmm. And he gives, I mean, he gives them ample opportunity, and they, and they don't, so... Then God brings judgment. Um, in the same way, uh, Peter's readers, you know, Peter's telling them, hey, God is patiently waiting on repentance from unbelievers um, before he judges the world. And at some point, it's going to be too late. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Second Peter, Second Peter 3.10, again, is a reference here. Um, let me get a 
the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day the heavens will pass away with a loud noise. The elements will burn and be dissolved. And the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. Um, so, Peter's, Peter's saying here, <laughs> check yourself. <laughs> before Turn you burn! Before you wreck yourself. Um, no, but I mean... No, God gave the people in Noah's time a lot of opportunities to repent, and yeah. eight people were on that boat. Yeah, yeah. I was I was actually reading something earlier tonight. Um, I am I am the weird person who likes to read big, huge, thick uh, systematic theology books. We know. Um, <laughs> we went through a systematic theology. <laughs> um, and I I was reading in in the one I'm currently going through. Um. And he says, you know, really, really and truly, if you've ever wondered about the mercy and the grace of God in your life, just relish in the fact that you're still alive. Mm -hmm. Because Romans says that the wages of sin is death. So the the wages, the cost of sin is is death. So if you're not dead, then you have not been duly and justly punished for the sins in your life. And trust yeah. me, we're all sinners. Yep. And so God graciously allows us to have life, and he graciously allows us to uh, have an opportunity to respond and have an opportunity to say, I'm committing my life to Christ. And, mm -hmm. and every every breath that you take is is another opportunity for you to give your life to Christ and commit your life to Christ. And if you haven't done that... Uh, if you've made it through 87 episodes of this podcast, or if this is the first time you've ever listened to this podcast, I know Michael and I would both encourage you. If that's something that you have not done, stop right now, pause this podcast and do that right now. You know, it is, there's nothing magical about saying a prayer, but it's just saying, God, I, I want to turn my life to you right now. I want to commit my life to you right now. Mm -hmm. Respond to, to the grace that God is showing you right in this very moment. So, um, but God did that for, for the time of Noah, and God does that for us today. And he does that for the purposes of drawing uh, those that he has chosen, uh, which we're going to get to here in just a second, mm -hmm. into salvation. Yep. Um, now, that ties into our last point for, for these parallels of Noah, which is that Noah was finally saved, and a few others were finally saved. Uh, and Peter thus encourages his readers, uh, though perhaps there may only be a few uh, that will finally be saved, but Christ will have triumphed in those that he has chosen. Mm -hmm. um, Christ will have triumphed, and he will bring all things into subject under him. And so yep. um, those who those who will who are ordained to be in Christ will be in Christ. Uh, God will not fail. The atonement will not fail. You know, this is... We talked about atonement kind of starting off this thing, and this is one of the reasons that I believe in what's called the limited atonement um, because I believe that the atonement accomplishes exactly what it was meant to accomplish, and it objectively accomplishes that goal. Yeah. And so if the goal of the atonement was to save the entire world universally, it would have accomplished that goal. But... I think it's clear from Scripture that the goal was not to save the entire world universally, even though it was offered to the entire world mm -hmm. as a universal atonement. That was not the objective of the atonement. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, 
when we when we talk about those who will be saved, it is those who confess Christ. They confess they confess Christ of their of their own free will, mm-hmm. and they do so because they were appointed by God before the foundations of the world, according to Ephesians one and yeah. two, and John six and John ten and Romans nine. I'll stop there. <laughs> I feel like you can in pretty much every other book of the Bible, Patrick. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Um, no, but that's not that's not to say that the sacrifice of Jesus that Jesus' sacrifice wasn't enough to save the entire world. No, it's that the like you said the objective was not to save the entire world. Yeah. Yes, um, and if you read um, Mark chapter ten or Acts chapter thirteen, you will see. Phrasing like, and those who were appointed to eternal life mm-hmm. were saved. Um, and so you end up with that kind of terminology when you're talking about that. Yeah. Um, but all in all, this is a, a very interesting passage. Um, I feel like we should talk a little bit about baptism because he does relate this to baptism. Okay. Um, and it's interesting. This is not on our notes for the record, so we're going to be we're going to be freewheeling here for a second. Um it's interesting that in that in that passage, Peter says um, that baptism that now I think it, he says it saves you, and I I want to point out here, and I made this note um, when I was studying through this. It says mm-hmm. so. This is verse twenty one. Baptism corresponds to this, and he's talking about Noah uh, building the ark. Mm-hmm. Uh, baptism corresponds to this now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body but as an appeal to God for a good conscience um, I, I think it's important to say that as at, at least me for myself I won't speak for Michael on this one he may have a different opinion I doubt it but we'll see um, <laughs> we have had differing opinions in the past we it's, have it's, it's happened but um as a as a certified born and raised Baptist, um, I hold to the theology that baptism itself does not save you. Oh, okay, yeah, I the agree act, with that. Yeah, the act itself does not save you. You are saved at the at the point that you are baptized because the baptism is a public profession mm-hmm. uh, of the of the faith that you have already professed. It's a it's a public way of saying I am professing Christ to the to the world. Yeah, and so I'm the act itself does not save you, but it is a command of God, and so therefore, for your sanctification, mm-hmm. it it's something that you're commanded to do as a Christian. Yeah. So it's not a it's not an act of justification, but it is a process of sanctification. Yeah, I, I've always seen, or not always, but I currently view baptism as an act of obedience to mm-hmm. Christ. Um, now there's a caveat with that in that there are some situations where you're, you may not be able to get baptized, whether you're elderly or disabled, or you don't have access to like, there's not access, whatever. And and that's not to say you're not a good, good Christian if you don't get baptized. Um, but I think in order to be in obedience to God, if you've responded to the salvation call and, and and that's the thing too, and that's something else. A lot of, I feel like a lot of people delay their baptism Mm -hmm. 
and I'm, I have to be very, very careful here. Um, <laughs> but I think in order to be in obedience to God, your baptism needs, your baptism is an outward, ex, outward expression of an inward condition. Yes. And it's something that if you've been saved, your baptism is just a public profession of that. It yeah. doesn't do, it does not do anything. As far as your salvation goes. Now, like Anthony said, is it is a process of your sanctification. It's an act of obedience. But I don't think I think you can be a born again, Jesus loving Christian without being baptized. Yes. There are there are some uh denominations that believe that until you are baptized you are not fully saved. But what about the thief on the cross? Uh exactly. That's what I say. <laughs> Um, that's, that's exactly what I say, um, and 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 they point to this scripture as as mm-hmm. uh, a proof text for that. Yeah. Um, and and, and but, I mean to be fair, I I can understand where they're going to draw that conclusion. But but okay, but look at how look at how Peter writes this. Okay, and I don't know are the parentheses his writing? Oh yeah. Okay. His okay. Writing. So I'm not sure how parentheses work in the original text, but. <laughs> So he says, baptism, which corresponds to this, talking about Noah, now saves you, parentheses, not the removal of the filth of the flesh. So like he's talking about the actual act of baptism there, but it's a pledge of a good conscience toward God. It's a it's an outward commitment that -hmm. you're going to live for Jesus. Yeah. And then he closed parentheses through the resurrection, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I think even Peter here is saying, like, look. Baptism alone doesn't save you at all. Yeah, you can exactly be, what he's saying. You can be baptized a thousand times, um, but but he, I think he really is driving home this point that it's an outward expression of an inward condition. It's exactly what he's doing. It's funny that yours has parentheses because mine does not. My translation does not. Huh? It doesn't have parentheses, and so it. But it. But what it does is it is it creates grammatically. It creates second uh, another independent clause and. We're not going to talk about grammar tonight, but um, mine just reads now. Uh, cor- baptism corresponds to this now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. And so, as I mean, that's exactly what you're talking about, which is a it's an inward change that leads to an outward expression or an outward confession. Mm-hmm. And and that is the point of baptism. That's the point of all of the sacraments that Christians partake in. Um, you know, the, the as Baptists, we believe in two sacraments. We believe in baptism and the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe that both are are what's called the means of grace. It's, it's ways that God dispenses everyday kind of common grace or salvific grace into our life. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, we follow in obedience through baptism, and that's why you can be, 50 years old, 60 years old, 70 years old, and go, you know what? I've never been baptized. But following in obedience is just another way of saying, I am a follower of Christ. I am a believer in Christ. Yeah. The same way that we do with the Lord's Supper. You know, we 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 talk about, uh, as Baptists, we should practice what's called a closed table. Now, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that you have to be the member of a very specific and local church. Some churches take it that far, but I wouldn't agree with that. But right. They at least say it to the point to say, if you have professed Christ, you can partake in the Lord's Supper. If you have not professed Christ, we ask that you abstain. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, the churches I have been a part of have done a very good job of clearly communicating that this is that communion, Lord's Supper, is not is not for everybody. Yeah, but it's not just for members of that church. Yeah, and and yeah. so so if you're a believer of Jesus, and the church you're at is doing the Lord's Supper, you're more than welcome to. I I believe you should be more than welcome to partake. Yes, um, because it is sacrament. So. So, so Peter Peter draws this parallel, and he and he talks a little bit about baptism, um, and and he uses Noah as the as the kind of again we've talked about Noah, but he uses Noah as the archetype of baptism, and and so what we see in the story of Noah to make kind of make one more kind of wrapping this up parallel here, what we see is that Noah goes through the waters of baptism. Uh, aka the flood and and on the other side what we what we see is Noah's salvation coming through the waters of baptism mm. and so it is it is something that is desperately important for Christian believers um but it's not something that that is like it has to happen right if you if you profess Christ and you're driving down the road and you get in a car wreck and die and you weren't baptized, that doesn't mean you're not saved, right? You're, you know, um, you're still going to go to heaven because you profess Christ. Um, but it is something that uh, I would encourage believers. You know, search yourself. Have you been baptized? Have you been biblically baptized? You know, I would argue that baptism is is something that is uh, you're immersed completely, submerged underwater, as a representation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You're buried with Him. In baptism, and you're raised in newness of life, um, and so I would argue that it, it needs to be through submersion. But I'm not, I'm not fixated on that. If you've been sprinkled, uh, I'm I'm going to make all the Baptists mad right now. I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, every Baptist just got mad at me. Of course, there's probably not many Baptists that listen to this anyway. No, there's plenty <laughs> that listen. They just won't tell anybody about it. That's true. That's true. Um, so, but the the point is that baptism is a symbol. It's something that represents what what God has done in your life, mm-hmm. and and it and it identifies you as being in Christ. Yeah. And so, so that's where Peter leaves it. That's where Noah leaves it, and that's where the Bible leaves it, as far as I'm concerned. And if you have done those things, then you have been biblically baptized. And so, yep. Um, there you go. That rounds out First Peter chapter three. We got two more chapters to go, and uh, and we're going to wrap up the study on First Peter. Um, yeah, it's good. It's good discussion. Yeah, and like it we wasn't thought, quite as weird as we thought it was going to be. It was only a little weird. Um, and as we <laughs> talked about before, the next couple of chapters are going to go a little quicker. Um, yeah, we're going to be uh, cranking through some of these, some of this because it's the chunks are a little more. I don't want to say easier to process. I think Peter got tired of writing at this point, to be honest with you. Well, then he wrote a second letter, so that's <laughs> a little confusing. But that was later in life. I mean, that was like... Okay, that's true. <laughs> Some stuff I meant to say before, I'm going to say it now. So Yeah. I forgot to say this. You, have you ever been in that discussion, and then you leave, and you come back, you're like, hang on a second. Yeah. I need to go back to something, because I thought about this after I left the discussion. Yeah. Um, that's where I always think second seconds come from but anyway um 
we hope you've enjoyed the discussion. Uh, we want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear what you think about uh, First Peter mm-hmm. and what, what you think about our beer. And, Michael, if they want to look us up on social media, where would they do that? You can find us at um, or on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast. And then you can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you if you have any beer suggestions or thoughts about anything that we've been discussing. Or if you have any questions about anything that we've been talking about, um, we would love to to have those conversations and um, just, as iron sharpens iron, make each other sharper. That's right. So until next week, keep your Bibles open, keep your beer cold, and we will see you later. Peace out.